You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Indeed. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer. The General. Sean McClain. Welcome. Welcome. To Utopia. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It is a mailbag edition of the Utopia podcast. Great to be with you. Hope you're having an awesome week. Uh, I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. Mornings on Sports Radio 610, joined live from West Palm Beach with the beautiful hotel art on the wall in the background. Uh, John McClain, the Hall of Famer, my good friend and our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and gallerysports.com and this uh this week he is a two-headed monster not just texans but he's down at astro spring training john you look you look relaxed you look like you got some sun actually right now well we're standing around in the sun for two hours and even though i use lotion and have a hat uh you know i'm getting a little suntan and yeah I you look healthy it looks good i lose it all in i lose it all in indianapolis next week <laughs> i hope it snows but it's great here. It's a lot of fun. Big news today. Lance McCullers came in. Everybody's been requesting him every day. We hadn't seen him working outside. Dusty Baker always said he works inside, and we thought he's supposed to talk maybe tomorrow, Friday. And then all of a sudden, he told Shaq Sullivan, uh, one of their media relations guys, he's ready to talk. So people sprinted into the clubhouse, and he was great talking about his elbow and he won't be available opening day. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's a few things we need to dig into here, John, because you were right there. I saw the one of the videos. It might've been Berman's video. I think you were right there standing next to Lance in that media scrum. Um, so as far as the facts of all this right now, the, the, it is a, it's a muscle strain in his throwing arm that he started to feel not while doing a bullpen, but after, after doing a bullpen earlier this week, you mentioned that he said there's no chance he's ready for opening day. He's going to take a few weeks off here, and then they're going to assess things after that. He seems optimistic that this will be okay, and hopefully it's just precautionary. But John, you were right there, and I guess so. Those those are those are the you know the facts of all this right now. What was your sense with Lance as far as emotionally goes? I mean, this has been a recurring theme with him. He's only had one fully healthy year, and it was the COVID year that was 60 games. So that's not even one that you can really count. Um, what was your sense as to where Lance is at emotionally with all this right now? 
I felt bad for him because he admitted he's upset and frustrated because he pitched. He had he pitched during the off season. He didn't have a problem. And when he pitched here Tuesday, before they reported on Wednesday of last week, he didn't have any problem at all. And then all of a sudden he stopped and his elbow started hurting him, and it still hurts him. He said it hurts all the time. But what he was optimistic about was the MRI didn't show any structural damage and just maybe rest and rehab. He's done that a lot. And he said, but he was so fired up about the start of the season, playing a full season. But he said the way it is now, they're going to be cautious with it. They're going to try to be smart with it. So he, his goal is to still hit the 150 or 160 inning barrier, which I think would be kind of surprising. And because it's a long season, they, they don't need him. He doesn't he doesn't want to have to do what he did last year, rehab all season and come back in August. And I think that uh, there was a huge sense of relief when the MRI, which he took last night, showed that there was it was a strain and not any kind of serious damage, certainly nothing that would require surgery. John, the I don't know, but the, the, where I'm at with Lance right now, I feel terrible for him because I, I I like Lance personally. I think he, he's he's a obviously a great Astro and a, loves Houston, and he's very easy to root for if you root for the Astros. I will tell you where I'm at with him, John, and the healthiest thing I've been able to do when it comes to Lance McCullers is just pretend he doesn't exist until August. <laughs> like, I mean, I, like it's 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 just become. It's become hard to for to count on him, and I and I can tell that's part of why he's emotional about this. Is he signed a fairly big contract, a big contract for a guy who's not pitched that many innings in his career, um, and it's the team counts on him, and he can't be there for the team more often than not. He hasn't been able to be there for the team since he's become a Houston Astro. I just wonder what the long term is with him, John. You know, th- this is this is year two of the extension part of his deal. So he's got four years left, basically. I thought all along, John, that he would make a, a, a very good late-inning reliever. And I know $17 million is a lot to pay for a guy to pitch in the late innings. But I just wonder, when I hear 150, 160 innings, John, he might be better off pitching in one-inning spurts, you know, uh, two, three times a week during the season instead of, instead of building, trying to build to being a 150-inning guy. I'm told he has no interest in going to the I know he has no interest in it. I'm just saying what might be best for him, yeah. And Dusty Baker has no interest in putting him out there with their bullpen being the best in baseball and everybody back. I don't know how he'd get very many innings. Look what happened to Ryan Stanek, the way Brian Abreu just blew past him last year. And it's an embarrassment of riches. I did an interview for Gallery Sports today with Seth Martinez he pitched well enough to be part of a team being coming out of the pen. You know, he can spot start, but he's he may not make the team here again because there's they have such depth. Even without McCullers, they still got five starters. Now they can't have anybody else get hurt. You know, it's inevitable that guys are going to get hurt. But for McCullers, he, he's kind of like a luxury. Having some of Lance is better than not having any of Lance. And one of the things everybody talks about. Here's what a great culture they have, attitude, clubhouse. I spent a lot of time over the last seven days just standing in the clubhouse, watching the way the players interact, the way if they stick to, like if the Hispanic players do, don't speak English, 
stick to the Hispanic players, if the pitchers and catchers stay with their guys. But these guys are all over the locker room. You know, in the NFL, it's usually by positions because that's who you're around the longest. But these guys seem to be loose. And, of course, they're confident because they're defending champions. But when everybody that covers this team tells me how great their locker room is, you know, I see it. And that's one of the reasons they win. And all of them talk about that locker room. Clubhouse is missing Uli Gurriel, but others have to st- take up the slack. Hmm. Now, I just read an article on MLB. Excuse me, dot com. Predicting that the White Sox are going to really miss Jose Abreu's leadership and everything he's done for that franchise. And when I was reading that about the White Sox, I was thinking, well, that's really good for the Astros. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the opposite can be true as well. Obviously, if they're losing him is bad, then the Astros getting him is really, really good. Um, John, the other injury that, that has people talking, you know, I don't know how concerned people are yet, but I'm concerned about anything having to do with Jordan Alvarez especially an injury that forced him to miss time last year. But what's your sense on this hand injury with Jordan Alvarez right now? He's doing everything, but he's not swinging it back because he can't grip the bat. And it's his left hand. Last year he went on the injured list for his right hand, but also received treatment on his left hand. And I guess that's what happened when you had 500-foot home runs. And, of course, everybody wants to see him right now. Without him, we have to watch Jeremy Pena be the big masher in practice, because he is hitting home runs, left field, center field, right center, left center, and right field line. He's just pounding the ball. But you want to see Alvarez because we're mesmerized with what he's capable of. And he said that he hopes a couple of days. You know, McCullers hopes a couple of weeks. You always hope for the, the optimism, but you expect the pessimism. And, um, he didn't act like it was a big deal, but yeah. uh, Dusty Baker said, hey, a lot of guys wake up, they got soreness in baseball. And he said, I had four operations on my hands. And he said, Yardon will tell us when he's ready. We got six more weeks of this. I just like to have everybody healthy for opening day. He said that on Tuesday, and then we find out Wednesday, everybody will not be healthy on opening day yeah well for sure at least one won't it's lance mccullers this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so um, John McClain down at spring training in West Palm Beach. Uh, so that uh, that's that's kind of where we are with the Astros news. Games get started up this weekend. Seth Payne and I will be down there along with Adam Spillane. Uh, brought to you by Shoppers, John Deere, uh, Payne and Pendergast, uh, hitting spring training starting on Sunday night, uh, the 26th of February. So this coming Sunday night. Um, John, as far as uh, stuff going on around the NFL, before we get to um, the mailbag questions, a handful of mailbag questions here, uh, the Titans were $25 million over the salary cap when everybody in Tennessee woke up this morning. Now here we are at lunchtime. And they are now $4 million under the cap because they released Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, and kicker and former Texan Randy Bullock. What are your thoughts 
Luan, the biggest, most accomplished name out of those three. He's blown out his knees a couple of times. He's one of those guys I could see him doing TV or radio because he's got a great personality. He's funny. He knows he knows what you want. And also, he can play some more. And Randy Bullock, he'll sign somewhere for the minimum. And uh, Robert Woods had one season there that was nothing special about it. And they, you know, man, that was everybody's like, what are they going to do about Ryan Tannehill? I think his cap figure is like 37 or 39. You ask anybody in Nashville, they'll tell you they need to sign a quarterback. They're so bad. They're so down on Tannehill right now. They didn't like to have Jimmy G. And uh, so I don't know if they're going to do that, but they got those cap issues. And uh, I think they'll probably use that first-round pick on a left tackle. It's a really good draft. For left tackles. Yeah, and that looks to be where a lot of the tackles are going. I've seen the Skaronsky kid out of Northwestern and Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, both in mock drafts going to the Titans at 11 overall. Um, John, the other NFL thing before we get to the mailbag, I uh, don't know if you saw this story, but because you are part of the Hall of Fame committee, I thought I would bring it up. Derek Carr had his visit to the Jets this week, and evidently part of their sales pitch to Derek Carr was, hey, If you win a championship in New York, that's how you become a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, John, how much work? Like Phil Sims. How much work? Yeah, exactly. Jeff Hosteller. Yeah. (laughs) There's been one, Joe Namath. Joe Namath, yeah. Uh, Derek Carr's 32 years old. If he's going to get cracking on the Hall of Fame stuff, he better get moving. (laughs) I don't know, John. Where do you think Derek Carr ends up at this point? I think that he should go to Carolina or New Orleans because he'd immediately be favored to win the NFC South. I agree. If he goes to the Jets, the best they could do would be two. And if Tua Tagovailoa can stay healthy in his new judo uh, lessons he's taken on Friday to show him how to, to fall without hitting his head on the turf helps him, Miami's going to be second. And, boy, it'd be between the Jets and the Patriots for third. And I, so if I'm Carr, I'm going to a relatively quiet NFC South. Or if the Titans need a quarterback, I'd come there. But, boy, I, I'm not so sure I'd want to go to the Jets because of the competition. Yeah, I, I think I, I've said all along on this podcast and on, on Payne and Pendergast, I've said Derek Carr, he is a walking ticket to an NFC South division championship for whichever team in that division signs him. The four starting quarterbacks in that division right now, John, by depth chart are Kyle Trask, Matt Corral, uh, Desmond Ritter, and I guess Jameis Winston, if he's still in. Oh, yeah, I got the wrong division. Yeah, Jameis Winston, uh, if he's still in New Orleans. Dalton's got his contracts up, right? Who? Dalton. Dalton. Dalton's a free agent. He changes teams every year. I'd love to have Andy Dalton as a backup quarterback. Great guy. Would be a coach someday if you got to play him a little bit. I'm thinking, how bad was Jameis Winston if he couldn't beat out Andy Dalton? No kidding. I'd take Dalton here as a backup and as a guy to mentor Bryce Young or whoever. Yeah. I'd love to have Case Keenum, too. Case, that's the other one. Those are the two. I mean, they both have local ties also, so that would be be good. All right, John, you want to get to some mailbag questions? For real. <laughs> That's on Mondays. Um, all right, let's get to the uh, mailbag. Oh, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> H-O-U, <laughs> H-O-U mail. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you can screen Fugazi if you want to, John, but that's not this segment. Um, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com is how you get us your questions. We appreciate everybody who sends questions in. They don't all get read. We uh, do store some in the chamber in case they're more time appropriate for a little further down the road. Um, so let's let's hit some of these. Uh this is from uh, Jerry Z, John. Is there a scenario where you could see Casario trading down from the number two overall pick? Absolutely. We have no clue what they want to do. He could stay at two. He could swap his spot with the Bears. He could trade down for extra picks. But what would that mean? He would lose out on his quarterbacks. You know, they like Will Levis. You better take him at two. You can't get cute. If they like C.J. Stroud, you better take him when you have a chance. If you want to come back with Davis Mills another year, which I think would be a terrible decision, it would sure pour some, boy, some uh, water on the fire. Yeah. Uh, but right now, we have no idea what he's going to do. He's going to try to keep it quiet. But they better get a quarterback. I don't see them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe D'Amico says this Anthony Richardson, he's got all the tools. Let's draft him 10 or 12. No, I'm sorry, 10 or 13, wherever we trade down to, and let Davis Mills play another year and then start Richardson in two years. And I don't think people be very fired up about that, but uh, I could definitely see him trading down. If they trade down, John, by definition, they're getting cute because my guess is my guess is if Chicago stays at one or somebody goes up to one and doesn't take Bryce Young, that they take Bryce Young at two. But let's pretend Bryce Young goes number one. If they trade down at two, nobody's trading up to get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like teams trade up at that level of the draft to get quarterbacks. They don't trade up to get defensive tackles. So by definition, you are you, a quarterback needy team, are moving out of two to allow some other team to move up and get a quarterback. So you're almost by definition getting cute if you trade out of two. That said, I think it's on the board. If Bryce Young goes one, I could I could see that scenario where they trade out of two and maybe they don't move down too far. You know, they trade, they allow somebody to trade up from six or seven. Let's say the Raiders at seven, you know, they move up and get CJ Stroud. And the Texans say, oh, we'll sit at seven and we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll wait. And probably Richardson or Levis is going to be there at seven. The problem is, the problem is it's other than the quarterbacks, this is, uh, I don't know, it's shaping up like a two-player draft outside of the quarterbacks where it's Anderson and, and Carter. It feels like if you're trading out of a range where you come away with one of the best quarterbacks, where you don't come away with one of the best quarterbacks or one of those two defensive players, which if you start to get down to seven or eight, you risk that then you have a chance of really having a lot of egg on your face. Uh, Matt Miller from ESPN, who I really respect, he has a story up there now about there are 20 players with first-round grades Yeah, based on he thinks they would go would have gone first round in the last five drafts. Yep. And if you're not going to get a quarterback, you better get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson Jr., especially the Texans because they can use – an interior defensive lineman like Carter. He can play all over the place. Or Anderson, the top-edge rusher. So if you're not going to get a quarterback, get one of those guys. But the bottom line is you're still going to need a quarterback. Yeah. And if you like, well, say you were going to take Levis at seven, take him at two. What does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. If you like a quarterback enough to where you think he's your franchise guy, then don't get silly moving back and hoping he's there. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe Q, uh, Joe Q emails the show, John, and then he says, how did Mahomes end up going 10th overall in that draft in 2017? Chiefs traded a one and a three to move up to 10th. Why didn't the Texans do that? Did they like Deshaun Watson better? John, what do you remember about that 2017 draft and how that all unfolded with Mahomes at 10, Watson at 12, and how the Texans may or may not have liked Watson versus Patrick Mahomes? People were – people uh, – after that season, people looked at Mahomes as a second-round pick. And then when they started seeing him throw and getting to know him in the interviews and the, and the and dinner and lunch at private workouts and bringing him in and listening to him talk about football and his family and his enthusiasm and his brains and all that, then they started thinking highly of him. But nobody thought highly of him like Andy Reid, who was willing to do do that and Rick's Bill O'Brien liked both of those guys. He loved Mahomes' arm because he tore it out of the stadium. But Rick Smith uh, loved Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun, of course, was a great pick. But he had that one little issue, and uh, I, I just it were two great trades by Andy Reid and Rick Smith to move up to get those guys. And you'd love to think both of them would have gone somewhere in the first round. Uh, John Harris said. He's got a mock draft that shows before that draft, he had Mahomes going number one overall. And I told John, I said, well, you are you are a genius because I didn't see anybody else said that. Just like Kyler Murray, if it would, if they hadn't hired Cliff Kingsbury, he never would have gone first overall. Right, right. Uh, I don't know if these guys, if Bryce Young turns out to be 5'11 five, and 205, then people are going to fall in love with him because you can always put – a little weight on people, a muscle, like Jeremy Pena saying he gained three pounds, but it's all muscle. And uh, Bryce Young would unequivocally be the quarterback that everybody wanted that needed one. John, the lesson in all that is that, yes, John Harris is a genius. <laughs> yes, he is. He is He's very good. Very... Time, time and again. And no doubt. Unfortunately for him, that guy he works with uh, is not. <laughs> Which guy are you talking about? <laughs> Mark Vandermeer. Oh, okay. I just wasn't sure. There's Drew Doherty's over there, and I don't. Know. <laughs> well, I'm on with every Thursday night at six o'clock. That's true. Yeah, that, that was a playful shot. I know that was a playful shot. I think. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's keep it moving here with the uh, mailbag. This is from Edmund Heck, John. No relation to Charlie, I don't think. Um, by the way, I ran into Charlie in the lobby of my building. He went to the Super Bowl and watched his dad's offensive line not give up a single sack against the Philadelphia Eagles. So shout out to great, great uh, Notre Dame All-American Andy Heck um, for uh, a great a job well done in the Super Bowl. But Edmund Heck, their long-lost cousin, asks the following. The XFL and the NFL have an agreement on cooperation to improve football. Have any of the XFL rule changes gotten serious consideration by the NFL? And follow-up. Are the NFL teams sending scouts to XFL games? John, the second one first. So the NFL teams, I'm sure, have some 
sort of feet on the ground or getting film on the XFL, right? Absolutely. Just like they will on the USFL last year, as bad as it was, there were quite a few players that got to go to NFL training camps. It'll be that way with XFL. I noticed the ratings are down from where they were three years ago. And uh, the Roughnecks, coached by Wade Phillips, they did some serious butt kicking. Because Wade is such a great defensive coach, I would imagine teams are going to look at his defensive players and they're going to depend heavily on his recommendation. And uh, because there's, I don't know, there haven't been a lot of defensive coaches better than Wade, whose whose formula and style is tried and true over multiple decades. So, yes, all of them keep a good eye on them. And there's some interesting rules. They haven't considered any because they just started. And the competition committee recommends rule changes to the owners at the annual league meetings. I'll be there at the end of March in Arizona. And it's too early. I like I like the thing where you got you can kick. Let's see. Is it an extra point or field goal? You can kick and get more points. Depending you can you know you can run a play. From the two-yard line is one point, uh, the five-yard line is two points, and the 10-yard line is three points. I love that. I wish the NFL had it. That would be great. That would be be tremendous. Yeah. I've always wondered, too, Sean, why is it that a 20-yard field goal counts the same as a 55-yard field goal? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I like, yeah, I mean, we got, uh, uh, you know, the NBA's got three point shots and two point shots. I'm, I'm with you. That would be, that would, that would be super exciting. Watching teams try to lose yards at the end of games where they need a four point field goal instead of a three point field goal. <laughs> like trying Running to maneuver the football. Trying to maneuver the football. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's, um, let's keep it moving. Uh, Claude in Dickinson says, what did you guys think of, Tillman Fertitta yelling, pray for Victor in that interview on the street at Mardi Gras. John, did you see that? I know you've been in West Palm Beach. I did, and I think that he could end up getting fined for it because, you know, the NBA doesn't like tanking or any anything that resembles it, but everybody that's losing is going to because they want Victor, and I'll let you pronounce his last name. Wembenyama. Do that again. Wembenyama. Wembenyama. Yep. Victor Wimbanyama. Oh, you nailed it, John. Good Wimbanyama. job. Wimbanyama. Yep. Part French, Wimbanyama. That doesn't sound like a French name. <laughs> yeah, apparently this uh have you watched Wimbanyama at all, John? Have you watched I am. He's a beast. He sure is. I would pray for him too. Sexy saying like suck for luck. Yeah. And, uh, that was the equivalent of what Tillman did, like screaming "Pray for Victor." He That's may as well he have been, he may as well have been Cal out there screaming hashtags for Bryce Young. Like Cal's out there Mardi Gras and during the bye week, you know, like during the bye week, he's somewhere where they're having a festival, a street festival, and somebody walks up with a camera and they interview him. And Cal, hey, we're not going to talk any business, but I'll just say "Go Texans," and then Cal just starts blathering like Tillman was, and at the end, he's like. Win twice, draft Bryce. <laughs> Takes a big sip of his drink. Yeah. Oh, I love Tillman for Tita. Tillman's the best. Um, all right, let's uh let's see here, John. This is from our guy Chris in the ATL. Ooh, a baseball question. You ready for a baseball question, John? Always. Uh John mentioned in the last podcast we would be foolish to think that the Astros can re-sign Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, and Fromber. Say hypothetically, we can only re-sign two of the four. Which two do you want to keep? John, you can only keep two of the four beyond their current contracts. 
Fromber, Tucker, Bregman, Altuve. Who are the two? Bregman was healthy last season. He was not healthy the two years before that. Altuve is going to turn 33 this year. So I'd want – well, Fromber's 29. He's a year older than Bregman. Yeah, but Fromber's but a I, horse. I, I feel like Fromber could pitch 300 innings a year if he wanted to. I want to keep Tucker number one and probably keep Fromber because he's going to be the ace of the staff and in the playoffs. He was the ace, and I wrote yeah. a column that's on gallerysports.com about Fromber excited about the possibility and the responsibility that goes with being the ace. So sorry to Bregman and Altuve, who are my, two of my all-time favorites, but uh, you you can't get enough good pitching. Yeah, I, first to tell you. Yeah, I no, I I know that. Look, if if we remove emotion from this completely, then it's it's an easy choice. Tucker and Fromber. You got to have a pitcher, and Tucker is a what is he? He's like 24, 25 year old, just stud. Um, I cannot let Altuve play a a game in another uniform. That is an that's not a Houston Astros uniform, John. So Altuve is going to be one of them for me. And then uh I would say I'll just coin flip whether it's Tucker or Fromm. But I think the one thing you and I it sounds like might be able to agree on is that um, for me, Bregman's at the bottom of the list. And it's not just the emotional part with Altuve, although that's part of it. Like Bregman has had some I, I know he's healthy last year, but he's had serious injury issues throughout the course of uh, the last few years, you know. It's amazing. He's still only 28 years old. He's I know. Well, over 13 years, he said. Yep. It's wild. Well, that, I mean, when you sign that deal that he signed back in 2019 or whatever it was, part of the thing, you know, part of the reason you sign it if you're Bregman is, okay, I got a lot of guaranteed money. Maybe I'm leaving some money on the table because, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to perform at a high level. I would say that he's gotten paid on the aggregate right about where he should be paid. You know, he said, and since he signed that, he's had two really good years. One year, he's almost the MVP. And then he had a good year last year. And then he had two years that were just marred by injuries. But when you sign that deal and you're Bregman, you go, look, I'm going to hit free agency again at the age of 30. You know, it's, I'll get another bite at the apple at the age of 30. So hopefully he won't. Hopefully he won't. Yeah, hopefully. I And I don't know, John, like, I, can they can they get all these guys signed? Ah, probably. I don't think so. Probably not. But. I, yeah, I mean, then they gave Javier. You know, Javier's getting $13 million a year now. So, yeah, they may have some tough decisions to make. I can promise you this. Like, I don't – I feel pretty confident that Altuve's never going to play a game in another uniform. I feel pretty good about that. Um, so, we'll see. Alfredo from Spring. Last one, John. With free agency coming up, what are the top needs the Texans need to fill? I think the biggest needs are center, guard, wide receiver, D-line, where, who do you see the Texans signing? Any players that pop up in mind in those positions? I guess, John, let's start with the general, you know, the uh, just position as opposed to specific names here. Where uh, the Texans have, you know, anywhere from, depending on how you calculate it, 30, 40 million in cap space. They could end up with more. They've got to sign a draft class, obviously, all those things. They may extend a couple guys. Who knows? Um, but where they, they've got money, unlike previous years. Where would you like to see them roster-wise, like position-wise, spend that money? First of all, Nick Casario should be fired if he doesn't get the most important free agent re-signed. That would be John Weeks. Right, right. Once the only perfect John Texan. Weeks takes the only perfect Texan. Once Weeks, you know, Weeks is going into his 14th year. I noticed some guy from Carolina, I think, is going into his 15th, and he's a snapper. And you think about it, John's never had one bad snap 
he was on the team before JJ got there. He was on the team when D'Amico was still playing. So uh, I'm sure they'll re-sign him. Anyway, they're not gonna get a they're not gonna get a starting quarterback in free agency. No. They need a they need another running back desperately. They might need two more. And free agency, I would take one in free agency, and then I'd use one of those middle round picks they have for another one. If there's a tight end and a center, they've got to get another center. I want a veteran who has experience to come in and make calls and run an offensive line. And defense, I think a safety would be the best position, you know, because the good good linemen generally are not going to be available. You know, Arden Key and Yannick Ngawe and Ngakwe and guys like that, you know, I wouldn't pay them a lot of money. But uh, uh, I would say center, tight end, and uh, uh, maybe – Backup running back in free agency would be three. Running back won't cost a lot. Tight end won't cost a lot. Center, you may have to overpay, but that's a good. The offensive line is a good area to overpay for. It's predictable. It's it, it, it's a high floor generally on offensive linemen. If an offensive lineman has made it to free agency in the NFL, then chances are they performed at a level where you can feel pretty good that they'll be average, and Seth says this all the time, you just need your five offensive linemen to be average. You know, if you have five average offensive linemen, as long as they're well-coached and you've got a good offensive coordinator, you're probably going to have a pretty good offense because it means you don't have any Achilles heels on there, so to speak, you know? They need a guy like Mitch Morris. He started for four years for the Chiefs. They didn't want to spend a lot of money on the centers, so the Bills did, and he's anchored the Bills' offensive line for the last three years. I think it'd be huge. I think it'd be huge for a young quarterback. I think it'd be huge for Kenyon Green to get a, a veteran center playing next to him, especially one that's played in this uh, this Shanahan system. All right, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms these next few days? I'm going to have a column for SportsRadio610.com on Friday about looking ahead to the combine. Nick Casario talks on Tuesday and D'Amico Ryan's on Wednesday. I've got columns on GalleriesSports.com. We have seven videos. We have a column on Fromber Valdez talking about how much it means to him for having a chance to move up and be the ace. I wrote a story about McCullers not going to be available for opening day. And my next column is going to be Jeremy Pena. Does he pick up where he left off in the playoffs and the World Series? And if he doesn't, he can go fight crime with a big cape on his back because of how <laughs> muscular he is now, right? As a part-time job. While he's only making the major league minimum, he can work part-time as a superhero. Uh, Jeremy Pena. Or muscular. a bodyguard. Yes, yes. The vascular Jeremy Pena. That's what we're going to call him this season. Um, John, I appreciate it as always. That was fun. Sean, as it is, uh, next week I'll be in Indy. You'll be here in West Palm. And uh, we'll be talking again multiple times. Nobody's got more feet on the ground covering this Houston stuff than the Utopia podcast, baby. That's what I tell you. John is in West Palm Beach. He'll be in Indy for the Combine next week. Monday's episode will be, I would imagine, some Combine-heavy stuff going on. We know that Nick Casario meets with the media on Tuesday at the Combine, Tuesday morning at 1045 Houston time. D'Amico Ryans meets with the media at noon on Wednesday, which just reminded me, John, we'll probably need to pick a different time to record. I would imagine next week um, with D'Amico meeting with the media at noon on Wednesday in Indy. Um, so we'll get that all figured out. But just know that, man, there is a lot of stuff coming up here for the Houston sports fan. And, and as John mentioned, uh, Seth Payne and I will be in West Palm Beach next week with Adam Spillane. 
our uh, Astros reporter for Sports Radio 610. So big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to each and every one of you. If you didn't hear your question read today or you want to get a question to us to be read in future episodes, mailbag at gmail.com. That's mailbag at gmail.com. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you next week for uh, another edition of the Utopia podcast. Have a great day, everybody.